Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel, and this is lesson number three for Monday, October 29th. So, uh, are you enjoying this lesson? <laughs> I hope that uh, the appeal that was made to begin a prayer revival, a prayer revolution, um, will have been taken to heart by those of you that are hearing this whether you belong to the Oakwood or Monroe Church or whatever church you belong to, we certainly need a revival in that one area of church. Um, on Monday's lesson, it's almost like a parenthesis. It goes from Babel to Pentecost. And at first I was like, how, in, how does this fit in with the flow of the lesson? I really like the beginning. But then there is this element of comparing, you know, what took place in, in, ba- in the Tower of Babel, the confusion of languages. And what takes place in Pentecost, the removal of that, that barrier of language to bring unity, to bring fellowship. And it, it, the lesson is pretty straightforward and it has some really good in, insights in there. But for me personally, as I read and reread and like I told you, underline and draw little stars on things that catch my attention, those little things provoked a thought in my mind. And this is the thought. Sometimes... There's, there must be separation before unity can take place. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes there is a need for separation before unity can take place. I'm going to read a verse for you. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be from the members of his own household. There's division. There's separation right there and comes out of Jesus. And it's not Jesus is saying these things will come because of Satan or because of earthquakes or famines or whatever. He's saying, I have come. I have come to bring a sword. Now, Jesus, of course, you have to get the context. He is the Prince of Peace. He does bring unity. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So there is this strong emphasis in the unity that we can experience in Christ. But Jesus also emphasizes the other side of the coin in that, Sometimes there needs to be separation in order for unity to take place. And that is what happened in the Tower of Babel. There was a false unity. There was unity against God. There's a unity uh, in uh, defying Him in trying to become independent of God. The Tower of Babel, um, a a big part of constructing this structure that would ascend above the clouds was a... (laughs) And this is me, myself saying this, uh, you know, rain comes from the clouds. And these individuals realized mm, the rain came from the clouds. The clouds sent rain and the rain caused the flood that, this, that caused the death of everyone. Let's make a tower that will go beyond the clouds. Let's go beyond our accountability to God. And we, we read that in last week's lesson, how in the West uh, there is a strong tendency Uh, for no accountability. And that was on Wednesday's lessons of last week for October 24th. So you can review that lesson. But this is the Tower of Babel. They did not want to be accountable to God anymore. We we will survive. If he sends another flood, we will be okay. 
we no longer have to be accountable to God. So in that sense, there was a false unity. Eventually, all of humanity would have destroyed themselves. Outside of God, there is no love. Outside of God, there is no this self-sacrificing, thinking of the other. There's no relationship outside of God. So humanity was setting itself up for, yeah, let's create this big tower and only the powerful and the wealthy will control the rest of humanity and then there will be revolts and wars and destruction and humanity will destroy themselves. I mean, right now, just, just a thought. Uh, I heard, heard Pastor Boonstra say this during the evangelistic series that we just had at Monroe uh, a few weeks ago, that at this very moment, we have sufficient nuclear weapons that we could destroy our planet over and over, over and over, uh, until there's absolutely no life left on planet Earth. And we could do that right now. Why aren't we? Because of God's mercies, because of His restraining the power of darkness that would induce us. And so in the Tower of Babel, you would have had that principle of humanity destroying itself. So God separates. He, change, he does it in a peaceful way. He changes the language so that you could have different groups become isolated from others. And those that would pursue headlong this path of self-destruction and degradation would not contaminate those that will choose to um, follow him, namely Abraham. So God wants to remove that, which has now become a hindrance for the gospel to spread, and unity takes place. But sometimes separation has to happen before unity can take place. And I wrote some, some thoughts in here. Um, you know, for Israel, God kept telling them, don't make friends with the Arameans. Don't make friends with the Philipp Philistines. Not because you're not to be friendly, but... If you become friendly with them, you'll begin to worship the things they worship and you will destroy yourself the way that they are destroying themselves. And I love you too much for that. Actually, I want you to be an influence to them, but don't be an allow them to be an influence for you. And in friendship, friends influence one another. We take from our friends. But in this context, this was a, a, a relationship of evangelism, a, a relationship of mission, of seeking to influence them away. Once the Philistines, if they chose to become worshippers of the true God and, and eschew all of these degrading idols, then a true friendship could ensue. Then they could have harmony. Paul says that, you know, what, what um, commonality has light with darkness? There is none. So Israel continued to make friends with other nations. And I thought about this. Were there not no Israelites that they could make friends with? And immediately I thought about Samson. <laughs> Samson, um, his parents asked him a very important question. Samson kept finding women in the Philistine camp. And his parents were like, are there no women in Israel? I mean, look, are there no, there are. How can you not find uh, a woman that um, is, is suitable, that you feel, you know, is, is good for, for you to marry? And, and uh, Samson was like, no, I want a Philistine which speaks to us as a Christian congregation today. Are there not members in the church that you can become friends with? I mean, we already talked about the issue of isolation. You know, we already talked about how intricate and intrinsically united is fellowship with worship. It's, they're inseparable. But now we have this element of, well, I have friends. They're just outside the church. And that's where I was at when God found me. All my friends were outside the church, all of them. Not because there were no young people or individuals that I could have befriended in the church, but simply because I chose those outside of the world. Why? 
because they like the things that I liked. Or rather, well, yeah, and I like the things that they liked. We liked um, violence. We like lust. We like uncommitted, uncommitment, re uncommitted relationships. Uh, we like avoiding responsibilities. All of these immaturities, they liked and I liked. But in the church, well, I was surprised. When I finally began to shed some of my friends from outside and break off with the relationships and girlfriends that I had outside of the church, and I began to come into the church, um, I, sh I shouldn't have been as surprised to find that there wasn't that much difference in the church either. Which leads me to the last point that I'm going to make in this, this little podcast. Um, you know, I came back and I remember telling my youth leader, you know, I, when I was in the world, I had a lot of friends. I mean, a lot of friends. Every weekend, I had no problem calling someone to go and watch a movie, go to the pool hall, go here or there. I had lots of friends. But now that I'm in the church, I feel very lonely. Everybody wants to go home and be in their homes. No one wants to do anything, even the young people. They have their own groups, their own cliques, and I feel very alone. And I remember telling the Lord that, Father, it's hard to be a Christian. It seems that there is, there are no friends in church. There are people, but just because there are people does not mean that they are friends. Do you have friends in your church? I mean, friends in your church, not people that you know their names, people that you may have eaten once or twice in their house. That's not a friend. What's a friend? Now, I'm going to use to not make this uh, podcast super long, I'm going to close with this one criteria that I think makes the difference in friendship. What constitutes a Christian friend? And before I even go there, I'm going to make this point because this is what helped me transition. I, I would have left the church out of loneliness. I would have left the church and gone back to the world because at least in the world, I had some people to hang out with on the weekends that looked for me, that called me, that texted me during the week. They were my friends. We may not have had God and stuff like that in our lives, but we had, you know, things in common and those things in common brought us together. But in church, it wasn't so. And what changed was my mindset. Instead of complaining about not finding Christian friends in the church, I chose to be one. And that was revolutionary. Instead of looking at what was not in the church and saying there are no Christian friends, then if that's the case, then that means I'm included, which means I am also part of that definition. And I am not part of the solution. I am part of the problem. I am also the reason why there are no Christian friends in this church. Or I can invalidate that statement by saying, well, there's at least one. Me. I'm willing. I'm available to be a Christian friend. And what does that mean? The definition um, I learned it from the one friend that is still my friend to this day. And I've been able to acquire a few more along the way. Um, but my original Christian friend, you already know his name. <laughs> and I'm not going to get tired of telling this because it's the reality. Robert Smith. What made the difference? He prayed with me. He prayed with me. It's not about the amount of time we spent together. And it's not about how much fun we have when we are together or the exciting things that we do together. What differentiated Robert Smith in my life as a friend was that he prayed for me, prayed with me. And we, he did it regularly. And I pray with my friends. Do you? 
I think about our young people that come and hang out. I see some of them in the balcony. I see some of them in the, the, the foyer. I see them huddle around. And I, and I remember my, my years when I was their age, you know, wanting to be with my friends at church. And I've, I don't know if any of them are listening to this podcast. But if they were, I would ask them, do you pray with each other? Do you pray with your friend? Owen, do you pray for Eli? Do you pray with Eli? That's a friend. If I have yet to pray with those that I call my friends, Christian friends, if I, if I think that I am a Christian friend, but I have yet to pray with any of those in my circle that I consider to be Christian friends, I don't know. I would question that. Because a Christian friend prays with his friends, prays with her friends, not just for them, but with them. So don't complain that you may be lonely in church. Rather, choose to change your mindset. Instead of looking for friends in the church, choose to be one. Choose to be a Christian friend. Offer your friendship. God will direct you to individuals. We just read that on Sabbath afternoon, didn't we? Jesus Christ brings his soul to himself, but then he always unites that soul to other believers in the body of Christ, the church. So there are other individuals in the church you're at, Monroe, Oakwood, or whatever church you're listening to, there is other persons looking for that Christian friendship, and God will lead you to that person. But your mindset has to change. Instead of looking for one, choose to be one.